there it is. I heard the round. That means you got to come up, protect yourself at all times, throw punches and bunches, shoe shines in the corner, hot sauce to the ribs, whatever it takes to win the round, whatever it takes to win the fight. What's up, boxing fans? Alfonso Ruiz here with Pacific Coast Boxing. So fired up and excited to be here, man. It's our first podcast, our inaugural show, first of hopefully what's going to be many to come and for many years. Big boxing fans, we're going to be talking boxing from Salvador Sanchez to Alexis Arguello to Roberto Duran to Sugar Ray Leonard to Tommy the Hitman Hearns to Canelo to Loma to Triple G to Earl Spence to Terrence Crawford to Manny Pacquiao. You name it, folks. We're absolute boxing nuts, and we're talking to you, the real boxing fans. You know who we're talking about, the diehards. Heck, we'll even talk to the casual boxing fans, but we're the fans that you're going to run into at your local boxing events that know the game, know the fight. Yeah, we like other major sports. We got no issues with baseball, basketball, football. All those other sports are great, but there's something about boxing that it's just in our blood, and it's our passion. You name a fight. With our fighter, that was controversial, and we'll stop and talk your head off about what we thought about the fight. Here with my co-host, Rick Prado, fired up. Rick, how are you? Hey, I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm fired up, man. I'm excited. We've been talking about doing this type of show and podcast for a long time. Rick Prado and I have grown up watching boxing. You've ran into us. You don't know who we are, but you will soon. You'll catch us at Fantasy Springs, at the Honda Center, at the Great Western Forum. We used to go to the Olympic Auditorium. We'll go to the uh, Omega Products for the Thompson or Omega Center for the Thompson Boxing. Big time boxing fans, Rick. Did I leave any uh, venue out? No, but we, uh, you know we plan on expanding out to Vegas. You know, when we maybe start hitting the East Coast, going to some fights out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And thanks for saying that as Pacific Coast boxing, but that doesn't mean we're biased toward anything to do with the West Coast and Southern California. We love all boxing, all fighters. Doesn't matter where they're at. In fact, because this is our first and inaugural show, you'll probably get to know us better as the years go by, as long as we're able to do this show. But as long as we're on a very first show, little quick intro, who the heck are these guys? Where are they from? So my name's Alfonso Ruiz. I grew up in Los Angeles, California, born and raised at Water Village. If you're familiar with L.A., then you know exactly where that's at, right outside of Dodger Stadium, right outside of Frogtown, Tunerville, right just by Glendale, California. I grew up watching boxing. I would say the first big fight that I saw, Rick, was the Wilfredo Benitez and Sugar Ray Leonard fight that ended in the 15th round, not Unlike the Meldrick Taylor Julio, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez fight, it was stopped with six seconds left to go in the 15th round. However, Leonard was going to win that fight and he was dominating. But after I saw that fight, pretty much I was hooked. My dad would take me to fights at the Olympic Auditorium with guys watching guys like Ruben Olivares, etc. Didn't really know what was going on. But after that fight with Benitez and Sugar Ray Leonard, I was hooked, man. Yeah. Um, Rick Prado here, you know, grew up in San Diego, California, um, big boxing fan, you know, grew up in the, uh, late, uh, eighties watching boxing, you know, the, watching the Tyson fights, the Chavez fights, um, leading into the Felix Trinidad fights. 
uh, big boxing fan. You know, it uh, watching pay-per-views with family, you know, really fired me up. I'll tell you what, too, right? You you mentioned that watching uh, pay-per-views with family. So that's the cool thing about boxing. Like, boxing is an event. It's, it's often said cliche-ish, right? Boxing, there is no off-season in boxing. It takes place. Even though there's certainly there's dates, Cinco de Mayo, right, that are, like, bigger than others. But there is no necessarily Super Bowl in boxing. You could have a big fight in January. You could have a big super fight in February, right? Yeah. With, with boxing, you know, it's a little bit different than some of the other sports, you know. Uh, growing up in San Diego, I was, you know, still a Dodger fan. You know, my dad was from Brooklyn, um, you know, so we grew up Dodger fans. Uh, you, you'll follow your team, you know, from a, being a kid. You know, I followed the Dodgers, you know, 40 years. Um, boxers, you know, their their lifespan's a little bit shorter than that. And you can you can root for boxers from England. You can root for boxers from uh, Mexico, U.S., Canada. Um, you know, you can kind of pick and choose, you know, the boxer that you like, the style you like. And that's a good point, right? Because boxing, different than any sport, it's an individual sport. Tennis, I guess, is the other sport. Yeah. Golf, right? Mm -hmm. Although golf has a caddy. But the thing about boxing, and you make a great point because I'm a, I'm a Dodgers fan a, as well, right? And But the Dodgers come and go. You go from, you know, Ron Say. Uh, Steve Garvey to, you know, Kenny Landro to, you know, Mike Marshall and then all the way to Cody Ballinger, yeah. etc. Corey Seager, but not boxers. You're right. Very short lived. Yeah. Right. Very short lived. And it's interesting because uh, it's almost like a very visceral response. It's not like, hey, our team scored more points than you. Maybe mm -hmm. in hockey, you could say, hey, my guy kicked your ass. But in boxing, yeah. it's my guy beat your guy up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And that's and, a little different. Yeah, and, it, and, it's, and it's, a lot of times it's cut and dry. You know, definitely there's a, a winner. There's definitely a loser. And, um, you know, once your boxer retires, you know, it's time to follow somebody else. Yeah, and that's interesting how that is, right? Yeah. And then we end up hooking on to somebody else. And it doesn't matter. You know, you said earlier, you're right. You know, it's about... Um, it's, it's cultural in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. too, right? Mexican fans will root for the Mexican fighter. They're always looking for who's the next Julio Cesar Chavez. But Mexican fighters also like fighters that fight, quote-unquote, yeah. Mexican style, right? And so it, it, it's interesting how that is. And then there's the whole hometown thing, right? Yeah. Um, across the pond, oh, my gosh, we were talking about watching the Ricky hatton Costia Zoo fight the mm -hmm. other day. What a scene that must be. And by the way, we got to make it, right? Yeah. We got to make it in this lifetime, uh, especially with, with what's going on. And I will say this, right? We're boxing, we're fight fans, but we're not immune to everything that's taking place today. So hopefully everything is, is safe with you with the COVID-19. Hopefully everything is going okay with the whole, you know, the riots, the civil unrest. We get it. We don't agree with any of that stuff that's going on. But, but when it comes to boxing, right? you know, where you're from is big, right? Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I hate to call them out, but, you know, the, the pride of Providence, right? Manfredo, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've got all these guys. There was a guy that used to, he was called Freddie Stock or Freddie the Pump, and he's from Stockton, California. And a whole town or a whole city will get behind a fighter. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely huge. You know, uh, growing up, you know, I would use English fighters as an example. You know, I, I didn't like Lennox Lewis. I like Lennox Lewis, the commentator. I didn't like Lennox Lewis, the fighter. Uh, grew to respect him as uh, the years went on. You know, I like Ricky Hatton. You know, I like Anthony Joshua. I, you know, I didn't like Nassim Hamed. You know, so y even even in different countries, you know, you can like and not like different fighters. 
And, and that's a great point because I liked guys like Lloyd Honeygun. Lloyd Honeygun. I liked uh, Nigel Ben. Yeah. Right. I mean, these were guys that I followed and that and that I loved. And another thing I want to go back to with boxing, and I know this is going to resonate with a lot of you out there listening. You mentioned earlier about the family get-togethers, and I said there is no um, off-season in boxing. You know, the the boxing pools, right? Mm-hmm. The getting a piece of paper, putting the numbers, putting them in a hat. So you don't really do that. I get it. Super Bowl, you may have Super Bowl pools and all mm-hmm. the squares, right? And that's cool. But everybody gets into the boxing thing. Nowadays, people do it. That's more of a fundraiser. Yeah. And- right? And when boxing's at its peak, you're getting together, you know, 12 times a year, 14 times a year to watch a big fight on pay-per-view. Now you've got the zone, you've got uh, ESPN Plus, you have all these different uh, streaming services to watch these fights. Yeah, absolutely. And, and nothing against UFC, right? I'm not against the UFC. In fact, I love the UFC. It's another combat one-on-one sport, but there, but it's five rounds, five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, boxing is 12 rounds now it used to be 15 right so it's right you're watching that fight for quite a bit and the ebbs and flows is like no other it's what makes it the sport of kings right the sweet science it's different from any other sport it just is and people actually are starting to call it a niche sport which is kind of interesting because there was a day when boxing was it especially back in the heyday with the heavyweights and Joe Lewis and the Bronx Bomber and and Jake LaMotta, right? Yeah, and I, I think uh, a lot of it has to do, you know, with how th- how fights are shown. You know, people get up for the big fights, but um, it now is a good time to bring back the the normal fan. Uh, put the fights on TV, you know, and bring back the normal fans that only show up for the big pay-per-views. No, I get it, and I think, the, and there's a lot of talk, right, about now when we're coming out of COVID. There's going to be some fights coming up. I know you got some stuff coming up on the news. They're talking about having fights back in the weekday again, mm-hmm. which I think would be great. I used to watch Sean O'Grady and uh, Albert uh, on the Tuesday night fights on USA. So I think that's really exciting. So here's the thing, folks. We're just getting started. As you could tell, like we could keep going on and yeah. on and on. I mean, you get Rick and I talking about boxing. Um, and and forget it. Like I said, you sit next to us at a boxing match, you're going to get a couple of things. You're going to get free beers, and you're going to get knowledgeable boxing fans that absolutely love watching the sport, and we also know all of the ring card girls. So that's always an advantage as well, right? Yeah, definitely. So here's the thing. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's how we're going to set this up for today. Coming up next, next segment, we're going to talk about what's going on in the news of boxing Rick Prado is going to have some information on that. Then we're going to talk because it is our inaugural show. So we're going to have a main topic every single week. Now, for starters, we're going to have a main topic. But as we get going, it may be you, the fans, that email, call us, Instagram us, and let us know what you want us to talk about, and we'll make it. But today, because it's our inaugural show, we're going to talk about the Four Kings. Got to be the Four Kings, Rick. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was a golden era of uh, boxing. You know, Leonard Hearns, Hagler, Duran. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about the four kings. Then we're going to go into Rick Prado's stat of the day. Rick is a big numbers guy, math, stats. He'll tell you how probable you are to get up and take a leak during the fight, how probable you are to get a beer. That's how much he has numbers dialed in. And then we're going to go into... A little bit of trivia, where today 
special Rick, you are the special guest today, okay. being the uh, the first inaugural show. I've got four questions that I'm going to ask you. You're going to find as we move on and you guys start to listen to our show, we are huge Rocky fans. We are huge Karate Kid fans. We're huge Hollywood fans, period, when it comes to boxing and fighting. And then we'll end it off with what's coming next. All right, folks, thanks a lot. Welcome to Pacifico Boxing with Rick and Alfonso. Totally fired up, and we'll be back here in a second. All right, and we're back. Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado here on Pacific Coast Boxing. Next up, we have news of the day. What's going on in the boxing world, Rick? Okay, and what I've got, uh, you know, with all this COVID-19 going on, you know, there's not much going on in boxing, but uh, what we do have is it's starting to come out. Uh, top Rank is going to have their first card uh, Tuesday, June 9th. Five-fight five card from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Uh, Shakur Stevenson versus Felix Caraballo. Um, big news coming out of here was um, the co-main event. Michaela Mayer, she tested positive for COVID-19, so she's off the card. Um, you know, what do you think? I think that that's, um, that's going to start happening, right? I think that it's interesting you say that because I don't – I think that that's going to happen moving forward at this point, right? And, yeah. like, I didn't think about that until, until you said that. Like, that's going to impact almost every main event. What do they do if they're in Saudi Arabia and they've paid hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. for a main event, for, a, you know, Anthony Joshua, uh, Tyson Fury match and somebody test positive? Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, you know they might just um, maybe try to stack the undercard a little bit better. You know, because they still have to have the card go go on. Um, but it is good to know that the testing is working and that um, not having her there, you know, putting everybody else at risk. Because um, as soon as, you know, someone tests positive after the fact and they took out, you know, two or three other fighters with the COVID-19, they're going to stop having boxing. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I mean, the, um, the UFC, right, a UFC's first um attempt their fight back right they had a fighter and again that that was that tested positive and they did an excellent job right yeah. they identified it they were able to quarantine them etc but you're right and then maybe in some ways right in a weird way maybe you're right maybe that is good for boxing because we're going to get to have a better undercard in the event a main eventer falls out yeah and i think um they're taking that ufc model to where a lot of times that main event you know, someone doesn't make the weight, somebody, you know, falls off the card, and they're going to be able to have somebody step up and take over that uh, main event yeah. status. Shakur Stevenson, you said, uh, who, who's the opponent? Anything on that opponent? Any, Felix any... Caraballo, you know, probably, you know, a fighter he should easily beat. And then, you know, I think the further along we go, we'll start getting into some of the fights where it's a little evener, evener matched. Yeah, but that's but you know what the fact that we're getting a pretty big name and I assume there's not going to be any fans at that event. Right? Yeah, no fans. Okay, but we're getting Shakur Stevenson, mm. who's one of the better young fighters, right? Yeah, and it'll be on regular ESPN. I think that's big. You know, have your bigger fighters, have them on regular TV so that people can see them. And I think you have to, right? I mean, and I'm going to say this: whether you're coming out of the COVID um, or not, right? Yeah. I think it makes sense to have fighters like Shakur Stevenson, right? Um, all of these young fighters, right? Yeah. Whether it's Teofimo Lopez, whether it's Ryan Garcia, uh, Daniel Dubow, 
Jaron Aeneas, right? I mean, Zoo Can, Chris Colbert, Gervonta yeah. Davis, Brandon Figueroa. I mean, all these guys, right? We're not going to get to know them if they're yeah. fighting on pay-per-view. Yeah, no, it's going to grow their fan bases, you know, and sure, you know, they're, the money's not going to be what they expect it to be at this point. But the bigger that fan base gets, the money will be there down the road. I agree. I agree. Um, wow, good stuff. What else is going on, Rick? Uh, the other thing I got is uh, this past Saturday, King Carlos Molina. I don't know if you remember him. Um, you know, he had a fight in Mexico. It was probably the first uh, fight that anyone's hosted over El Matador Munoz. Not sure if you know him either. Wow. Yeah. No, but he sounds, sounds pretty tough. <laughs> sounds pretty good. Anybody with the nickname of um, El Matador. But, you know, that, that, you know, fights are starting to come out. Um, Zanford Promotions, they're going to have three shows out of Mexico City, out of the studio TV Azteca on June 20th, June 27th, and uh, the 4th of July. Um, well, I think, I think, you know, when we talk about uh, boxing, right, we know, the, we know about the major sports, and obviously everything's been put on hold, and the MLB is, is trying to have negotiations, right? Um, and they're kind of stuck, be, um, be, and, and a lot of it is money-based, right? Mm -hmm. NBA's trying to figure out. I think the, the players, and I think with the NBA, it's not a money issue. It's as much of a logistic issue as yeah. far as how do they get in the schedule. But with boxing, right, I think what people forget is there's not that many headliners that can live without fighting, Yeah. No. right? So, the you know, when we talk about, you know, who's the B-side of this fight, that that's a main event. What folks don't understand is that on the undercard and on the main event of other fights, there's the C, D, and the E fighters that they need a paycheck. Yeah, definitely. You know, they're, uh, a lot of them don't work. You know, some of them do. You know, Cancio, I think, uh, worked for the uh, power company. That's right. But, uh, That's right. you know, most of them don't and have other jobs. still does, right? Yeah. Most of them don't have other jobs, and they need to, you know, they need to make money to feed their family and uh, feed their corner people. Yeah, I mean, again, and I said it at the at the intro, right? That I again, I hope everybody is is not only health wise but financially. I feel bad. I've told you my feelings offline about the yeah. whole COVID. I don't like the fact that Walmart, Target, Albertsons get to keep their stores open because they can protect us with hundreds of people. But the mom and pop shoe yeah. shop, barber shop, restaurant can't open. Well, now they are. Now they're yeah. starting to open. But and then again, right to what we're talking about and our passion is boxing, right? You've got fighters that hey, maybe it's a fifteen hundred dollar paycheck, maybe it's a thirty five hundred dollar. Mm -hmm. These these fighters don't make a lot of money, folks, right? Yeah, no, yeah, but they but, need to fight them. That's exactly right. And if you know, follow them in boxing rack. And you know, we say, well, old school fighters used to fight five, six times a year. No, they still do, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, they still do. It's just not the headliners that don't, yeah. right? But but the actual fighters that do it to make to get a paycheck, they're still fighting five times a year. Yeah. So interesting. What else is going on, Rick? Um, I'm I'm hearing that the uh, Ryan Garcia fight off for the Fourth uh, of July is going to be off now. Uh, Golden Boy. Uh, they had a few fighters lined up: uh, Mercedo Jesta, Hector Tanahara, um, other names that were thrown out there for that fight: Abner Maris, Linares. Um, they, it sounds like it's going to be a money issue there. I know that it was a big deal, right? I know they were trying to line up Ryan Garcia with, uh, with Linares, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's all, that's the fight we all wanted to yeah. see because that would really be a step up. Mm -hmm. Ryan Garcia continues to step up and he continues to 
to dominate opponents, right? And so that's the fight we wanted to see. And I agree. I, I don't know what's going on. Probably a money issue. I don't think Abner Morris has a chance, with all due respect, right? <laughs> yeah, no. And I, again, right, I'm not anti-Abner Morris. Yeah. I think I told you the other day, yeah. I was watching um, on, you know, Abner Morris' greatest fights. I didn't realize he was involved in that many greatest fights. <laughs> and at some point, Abner, if you ever, li you know, when you listen to our show or your people listen to our show, I love you, brother, and I respect you. I do. I respect anybody who gets in that squared circle and throws hands with leather and puts it on the line, right? Yeah. But I don't think that he would have a chance against Roy Garcia. But you know what? I would love to see it. Yeah, you know, it'd, it'd be interesting to see. You know, that'd probably be the biggest. It'd be the biggest name on Ryan Garcia's um, records. Oh, there's no doubt about yeah. it. No, the two, three-time uh, champion, I believe. Wait, wait, but but that that's interesting. That's too bad. And we're talking about Ryan Garcia. What is he up to? Seven million Instagram followers. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. We're gonna have him on our show at some point. In yeah. fact, he's. He, by the way, he's a great kid. I don't know him, but we've met him a couple times. Yeah. Kind of ran into him at the Fantasy Springs. Always stopped and signed an autograph. Yeah. Always stopped and took a picture. I don't know him personally. I don't know his character, yeah. but we can I can only judge on what I have seen and what I have observed, mm -hmm. and he appears to be a pretty good human being. No, yeah, he definitely looks like a nice guy. You know, I think uh, he just wants his money to be right, you know, it, but it's going to be tough, you know, during this whole COVID-19 to get paid what you want to be paid, and I think the other boxers are pricing themselves out as well. Not, not to put all the blame on him, I think the other boxers are putting their... Uh, Pricing themselves out. Interesting. Well, I don't blame them, right? The stock buy, yeah. buy high, you know, buy low, sell high. I, and, and I get it. And I think uh, Brian Garcia's stock is super yeah. high right now, right? Um, and then the last thing I've got for the week is um, Freddie Roach put out there that Manny Pacquiao may be interested in a Triple G fight. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> what I what think, are your thoughts on that? I think that that's... Um, Absolutely, that's a big reach, right? I mean, yeah. Triple G at what at a catch weight of you know what one fifty one. I mean, uh, th there's no way, right? I mean, well, you know, there's there's talk because Triple G holds one of those hundred and sixty pound belts, and yeah. Manny Pacquiao's eight time world ch world champion. You know, the he won at one fifty four. He could be a nine time world champion who, if he beats. Triple who did G. Manny Pacquiao beat at one fifty four for the uh, junior middleweight championship? I'd have to look that up. So we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have to let's let's go ahead and look that up here while we're having the discussion because chances are, and I, I'm not gonna say anything, but I think that's stepping way over. I think 160 pounds is just way too much. I don't think Triple G is gonna step down uh, to anything lower. The older you get, right, the tougher it is to try and make weight and come down. So I I don't see that happening. <laughs> My big, my biggest thing is, you know, Triple G struggles a little bit with Canelo because Canelo's younger than him. Right. Pacquiao's older than him. Yes. You know, I, I don't think. And hey, hey, listen, if I'm Triple G, I take that fight all day long. Yeah. Right. If Manny Pacquiao wants to move up, right, and have you know, and drink a cup, you know, drink a couple of San Miguel's, right, and get up to 160, I'm having that fight all day long. Why not? What do I got to lose? Yeah. Right. Oh, he he beat Keith Thurman. For the 154-pound title. Keith Thurman was a uh, welterweight. When he... I, I got it that... Uh... Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to have our, uh, our research department come back on that one, but I'm pretty sure I thought that was for the welterweight. Uh, I'm looking it up welterweight. on... Yeah, it's Super Welter. Or Super Welter. Okay. Yeah, well, Super Welterweight would be your junior middleweight. That's another thing, right? Yeah. With all these boxing weights. 
but okay. Yeah. So Even, moving them up in in weight, you know, Triple G is just gonna be too big. You know, if if Canelo hasn't been able to knock down Triple G, yeah. I doubt Pacquiao at a lighter weight is gonna be able to knock him down. No, I agree. And and you know what is uh, Manny Pacquiao is what all of five six and a half, five seven mm-hmm. at most, right? Uh, Triple G's at least five ten, I believe, yeah. right? Kasekan. I uh, but again, hey, hey, listen, if I'm Triple G, kind of, let's just be honest, right? He's in the sunset. He's in the decline of his mm-hmm. career. And if I can get this big fight, it's a big payday. Yeah, abs a hundred percent. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. And let's be honest, and we're all gonna watch it, right? Oh yeah, definitely. We'd absolutely all watch yeah. it. And you know what? And it may even be a decent fight. Yeah. May even be a decent fight. Wow. There you go. All right, folks, so that is uh, news of the day and what's going on this week. Good stuff, Rick. Fired up. Next segment, we're coming back with the Four Kings. Had to do that in our first show. Inaugural Pacific Coast Boxing. We'll be back in a moment, folks. Thank you. All right, and we are back with Pacific Coast Boxing. Alfonso Ruiz with my co-host, Rick Prado. And one quick thing, uh, we had our uh, research group look back, and so the junior middleweight championship. Yeah, the one that Pacquiao won, he beat Antonio Margarito for at okay. 154, and um, it was a welterweight championship that he won against Keith Thurman. Yeah, so that was the only time, and at that point, I think I don't think Tony Margarito, certainly not in his prime. Yeah, definitely not. Right. Um, but, you know, definitely, you know, here with Pacific Coast Boxing, we want to make sure we get everything correct. You know, we don't want the fans, you know, calling us out for putting out bad information. That's exactly right. So there you have it. Um, you know, and obviously Antonio Margarito, probably a different class and a type of fighter than uh, than Triple G. Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah, well, um, you know, Triple G can move a little bit better. You know, it, Triple G's bigger, too. Yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be, it would be interesting. And, right, as we talk about Triple G, he would have been an interesting fighter back in talking about our next segment as we talk about the Four Kings. So this is our first show, inaugural show of Pacific Coast Boxing. Rick and I spent days, hours, right, talking about what's going to be our key topic for our very first show. And we said it's got to be the Four Kings, right? Yeah. We're talking about Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Tommy the Hitman Hearns, the Motor City Cobra, which is my favorite nickname for him, and, of course, Sugar Ray Leonard. Had to start off with the Four Kings, Rick. That was our era. Yeah, definitely. You know, the Four Kings, you know, it. it, you had four Hall of Fame boxers all around the same weight division. They were all willing to fight, you know, one another. Now, I'm going to tell you something. So I'm going to throw some numbers at you, okay? Because when we say the four kings, uh, some people sometimes say, well, geez, you know, why why the four kings? Was there was there better fighters? Was, you know, why, why them? There was a lot of good fighters back in that era. There was guys like, you know, Fredo Benitez, Michael Nunn, uh, Aaron Pryor, Aram Barkley, Mike McCallum. There's a lot of fighters. But here's what separates these guys, okay? At the time that these guys were fighting each other, Okay, and, and, their, and their fights were between 1980 and 1989. So here's some numbers at you. Between 1980 and 1989, they fought 18 times, okay? Three knockouts in those 18 fights. All three involved Tommy Hearns, yeah. <laughs> okay? At the time, 
they could all stake a claim to the mythical pound-for-pound best fighter, okay? And now I want you to think about this as we look at today's fighters. And I look, I'm look, i looking at the ring pound-for-pound pound, top 10. Canelo, uh, Lomachenko, the, the Monster Inouye, Terrence Crawford, Alexander Usyk, Errol Spence, Triple G, Juan Francisco Estrada, Arthur uh, Biederby, Manny, Manny Pacquiao. Of those 10, right, very few of them could actually fight each other, right? Um, Crawford, Spence, and Manny Pacquiao probably are the only three, and Pacquiao clearly is on the decline of his career. My point is when these four guys were fighting, other than Duran, and, we're gonna, and we'll get into that in a moment, why they call the four kings, these guys at any moment could be considered the greatest fighters. Uh, boxing News had, they put out an edition, 110 years of boxing, and they ranked the best fighters of each decade. The best fighters between 80 and 89, number one, Sugar Ray Leonard, number two, Marvin Hagler, number three, Tommy Hearns, number six, Roberto Duran, 1970 to 79, number one fighter, Roberto Duran, okay? So you're talking about four guys. People say, well, geez, there was a lot of other fighters during that time. Yeah, there was, but there wasn't four guys that were considered the pound-for-pound best. And as you mentioned, Rick, not only were were they the pound-for-pound best, but they fought each other 18 times between 1980 and 89. And a couple more numbers, and I want to hear your take on a few of these things. So, uh... 20 different weight division championships between all of them. Okay, Roberto Duran, four championships between lightweight and middleweight. Tommy Hearns, he won championships from welterweight all the way up to light heavyweight. Sugar Ray Leonard, from welterweight up to light heavyweight. Marvin Hagler, the only one with the sole um, contribution of one title at middleweight. However, Absolutely cleaned out the middle weight division from 1980 to 1987. Never lost a fight. So yes, it was only one weight division at middleweight, but absolutely dominated the, that era. Age-wise, when they started this in 1980, the very first fight was between Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard. The last fight was between, unfortunately, between Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard. The fight 1989 that we won't even ever talk about on this show. When it started in 1980, Roberto Duran was 29, Tommy Hearns, the kid, at 22, Sugar Ray Leonard, 24, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, 26. Yeah, you know, and just just to contrast it to now, you know, I'm looking at the welterweight rankings. You got an Earl Spence, you got a Terrence Crawford, you've got a Manny Pacquiao, all pound for pound fighters. How many times have they fought one another? Yeah, not not, not going to happen. You know, and, and probably it won't happen. And, and probably right? won't happen. You know, Pacquiao's on his on on his way out. Probably has a couple more fights. He's not going to fight the two young guys ahead of him. You know, he's not going to fight Spence. He's not going to fight Crawford. Who knows if Spence and Crawford ever fight one another? No, that's exactly right. And that's what made and that and that's part of it, right? Yeah. Part of it is, and, and I get it. Now, people will say, you know, well, we're at the boxing match. You're going to say, well, you know, it's a different. You've got the PBC. You've got match from mm-hmm. boxing. You've got Golden Boy. You've got top rank. I get it. But that's not to say there was not those challenges back then either. There was. But I think there was clearly, I want to say, a cultural difference or it was just a difference of, 
Sugar Ray Leonard went on the record. Uh, there was an article I was reading on ESPN last week where he was talking about Earl Spence needing to fight Terrence Crawford, right? Oh. Sugar Ray Leonard actually said he never asked how much money the other guy was making. He just wanted to fight him, yeah. right? So I don't know if that's just, a, you know, is that just a generational thing, a millennials, right? Uh, I, th- I think nowadays people are scared to lose. You know, I think uh, the four kings... You know, they all wanted to win, but they weren't afraid to get a loss. Nowadays, people are protecting that zero on their record. I agree, and I think that that zero was protected because it ends up resulting in more zeros on the yeah. paycheck. And, you <laughs> right? know, but like Rocky said, you know, protecting don't help nothing. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, even Meg protected him, right? Yeah. And he was fighting tomato cans, and, yeah. and right? Um, go heading into Rocky three. So again, um, that's my take on why they're the four Kings. When people ask why they were pound for pound, the very best in their era. And we were privileged to have lived in an era where we were observing four fighters who were in their prime and who were willing to fight each other. Now let's, now let's start peeling back the onion and get a little bit granular here. Right. And talk Mm -hmm. about each individual fighter and the impact of that era. Okay. Okay. So Roberto Duran, the elder statesman at 29 years old. So here's a guy that absolutely cleaned out the lightweight division, okay? So heading into the fight with Sugar Ray Leonard, here's another number for you. And you're the stack guy, but I've got some numbers for you. Won 34 out of 35 fights for six years leading up to that fight with Sugar Ray Leonard. The only fight, I said 34 out of 35, Esteban de Jesus, which he avenged knocking him out twice. Yeah, and that's okay. an average of five or six uh, fights a year. Exactly. People don't do that nowadays. No, abso- absolutely yeah. not. Other than, like we mentioned, the guys who need a paycheck, yeah. right? And so absolutely cleaned out the division. To this day, um, boxing uh, subject matter experts like Burt Sugar and others will say Robert Duran, probably the greatest lightweight of all time, yeah. right? You can imagine a... Uh, uh, or Burr Duran against Orion Garcia, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that at some point. Knowing Ryan Garcia, he'd say probably knock him out, right? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and that's and that's fine, Ryan. I, I actually believe you, right? I have, but here's the thing. So heading into the Sugar Ray Leonard fight, Roberto Duran was seventy-two and one. Mm-hmm. You could retire at seventy-two and one, and he would probably go down on the Mount Rushmore of boxing as one of the greatest fighters ever, with Muhammad Ali, etc., yeah. right? And was the underdog heading into the Sugar Ray Leonard, the brawl in Montreal, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, Duran, you know, the most impressive of the of the bunch. He took the most risk. Came up from lightweight, went all the way up, you know, to middleweight to challenge these guys uh, when he didn't have to. He could have stayed at a, young, at a lower division and, you know, kept cleaning it out. Um, but he was willing to take the risk, you know, probably taking those risks because that's where the money was at. Well, and back then, right, it wasn't the norm to move up in weight, yeah. right? Back then, it was the norm to stay at your weight, clean out the division, become the undisputed champion, which is what uh, Roberto Duran did at the lightweight division, right? Mm-hmm. In today's day, Duran probably moves up, right, to yeah. uh, junior welterweight, right? Yeah. Um, then welterweight, and then kind of makes his way up. But back then, that was kind of the way it was done. And I agree with you. Here's a guy who's 5'7", mm-hmm. right? With, with you know, in, in shoes. Kind of reminds me of present-day uh, present Mikey Garcia. You know, another one who's about 5'7", 
but he's trying to get into the welterweight division, you know, with a lot of taller guys that are 5'11", 6 feet tall. And stylistically, it's a bad matchup. And, and I agree. And I think that it's interesting, right, because it's a great call-out because Ryan Garcia stepped up, tried to fight Earl Spence Jr., and it was a complete mismatch. Yeah. Right? Absolute complete mismatch. Yeah. And, and Mike, yet— uh, Mikey, you mean? Yes, Mikey yeah. Garcia. Sorry. And it was a complete— I'm sorry, right? And I love Mikey Garcia. Yeah. He's going to be on the show someday eventually as well. But it was a complete mismatch, yeah. right? Uh, I mean, he was outboxed. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say outclassed. He was just outboxed by a bigger, faster, taller guy. Yet Durant goes in against Leonard and beats him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, very impressive for the for the day. And, you know, I, you know, I think he was able to get Leonard out of his um, comfort zone. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The psychological tactics, yeah. the, you know, going in the restaurant saying, you know, I will kill you, yeah. right? <laughs> I am going to kill your husband, he told his wife. And, and Sugar Ray Leonard was there as the diplomat, mm -hmm. having won the 1976 Olympics, beat yeah. Wilfredo Benitez, right? And um, look at look at pictures of that fight. Look at video of that fight and watch how prepared Roberto Duran was. I mean, he was ripped, yeah. right? And that was a big deal. Um, gave... Marvin Hagler, an absolute run for his money at 160. Marvin Hagler, to this day, mm -hmm. says Robert Durant had the fastest, the quickest hands of anybody he had fought, right? Yeah. Um, the Tommy Hearns fight, hey, just a, just a minute, just, just not a good, uh, not a good matchup, right? Size wise. Uh, no, yeah, the Hearns, you know, the reach was six or seven, seven inches longer than Durant. It, it was a terrible matchup. Yeah, and then we get to. The Motor City Cobra. Mm -hmm. I love that nickname, the Motor City Cobra. And it was also the. And by the way, when I hear no disrespect to Ricky Hatton, but when we were watching the Costa Zoo fight, uh -huh. Ricky the Hitman, there's one Hitman. Yeah. Right. There's absolutely there, there, there's one Hitman. Even and no disrespect to to Kobe Bryant, but as a boxing fan, uh, the Black Mamba. There's there's one original Black Mamba, and that was Roger Mayweather. Yeah. Okay. Right. I used to watch, I mean, I watched him at the forum against Julio Cesar Chavez when he was the so-called Mexicutioner. But anyways, yeah, I, I, I go down a rabbit hole, I divert. Tommy Hearns, I said 18 fights, three knockouts. He was involved in all three knockouts. Go yeah. figure. Yeah, yeah. Hearns, you know, most exciting one out of the bunch, had the knockout power, but he could also be knocked out. He had a weak chin, and, you know, he was able to get hurt. Yeah, absolutely. So he was knocked out by Sugar Ray Leonard in the 14th round. Mm -hmm. He was knocked out in an absolute classic by Marvelous Marvin Hagler in the third round. And then, of course, he TKO'd uh, Roberto Duran, yeah. right? Um, and, the, and the youngest of the bunch, right? And was out boxing him. Funny thing is, right back in those days, the fights went a full 15 rounds. Mm -hmm. The fight goes 12 rounds. We don't hear the you're blowing it, son, by Angelo Dundee. Mm -hmm. And Tommy Hearns wins that first fight, yeah. right? Probably won the second fight, by the way. Not as eventful as the first one. Mm -hmm. The second one with Sugar Ray Leonard was a draw. He probably wins that but came out with the draw. But if that first fight's a 12 rounds, he probably wins that. Yeah, right? you know, definitely. You know, I think, uh, you know, he, he seemed to have Leonard's number. You know, the height, the reach. Leonard didn't have the knockout punch to keep him honest. Yeah. Okay. Now, Marvin's marvelous Marvin Hagler, right? I said earlier, um, 80 through 87, didn't lose a single fight, won the middleweight championship from V2 Antifermo, mm -hmm. who, by the way, my science teacher, uh, Mr. Wenderoff, fought in the amateurs, Marshall High School. Just heads up there. 
Um, good fighter, by the way. V2 Antofirma. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good fighter. We'll be talking about V2 Antofirma uh, as your, well. Your teacher I was referring to. Oh, I <laughs> see. <laughs> well he had a glass eye which was funny yeah yeah he had a glass eye really really interesting but he always used to say i can see everything <laughs> yeah right so um <laughs> so marvelous marvin Hagler, right retired after the sugar ray leonard fight felt he won right left disgusted interesting story after that fight by the way caesar's palace the beer truck is coming in outside of caesar's palace he stops him he says hey man would you mind opening that box and giving me a beer? It's been a long night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, a great story. You know, I, with Hagler, for me, I would have liked to have seen more risk, maybe move up in weight, you know, but he stayed at middleweight. He waited for these smaller guys to come to him. You know, close fight against Leonard. They should have fought again. He should have been willing to fight, fight again. Yeah, he was he was avoided, right? Marvelous Marvin Hagler was an avoided fighter, right? Yeah, um, you know, I heard that uh, he had to switch to right hand, right handed, to get more fights. Yeah, the the thing about Marvis, uh Marvin Hagler is that um, not the most charismatic, right? Not the most fan friendly, as far as it would have been interesting in today's social media how active Marvin Hagler would have been, right? Yeah. And you know the the. Funny story about Hagler. Um, I had heard that he was beaten up at a at a party, and by a boxer. So okay. he decided to go and train to be a boxer so that he could beat up that guy. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, that's, that's how, he how it started. A fighter, is yeah. that right? <laughs> that is good. That is good. And the thing is, right, is that as a fight fan, I appreciated his workman like right. Very old school, like I said. Roberto Duran cleaned out the lightweight division, 34 out of 35 fights. Hagler did the same thing for seven years, right? So we could sit here and say, well, geez, you should have moved up to light heavy. We should have. Is there anything? And all, all Picasso could do was paint, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything wrong with Marvin Hagler being just a good natural middleweight who stayed in shape, was always ready to fight, yeah. and was just kind of that simple lunch pail, show up to work, blue collar fighter? Yeah, and you know he, he fought all three of the guys, but I, I still would like to have seen another Leonard fight. If he felt he won, and he should have won easily, he should have had another fight. There was definitely fights that we didn't see again. Yeah. So when we look at the records, right? So Duran was one and four, right? Mm -hmm. The one win against Leonard, Sugar Ray Leonard four one and one. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, the one loss against Duran and the draw against Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns one one and two. Okay, um, Tommy uh, uh, Marvin Hagler two and one of course beating Duran in a decision. Um, beating Hearns by knockout. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hearns in a knockout, Duran in a decision, and then of course he lost to uh, to Sugar Ray Leonard, which leads us to Sugar Ray Leonard, right? Yeah. Four one and one. Okay, uh, twenty four years old, right in the middle there, right? I said twenty nine yeah. for Duran, twenty four for Leonard. Here's the thing. When we look back, five championships, okay? Won his first championship against Rolfredo Benitez. Beat Ayub Kaluli yeah. for the junior middleweight championship. Hagler for the middleweight. Um, and then, of course, the tough Canadian Donnie Lalonde yeah. for the super and light uh, heavyweight, which we're not going to take that against him. He yeah. still came back and fought with the, with the retina issue with the eye. Mm -hmm. 
of all of these fighters, right? There's four kings, but if we had the crown, the king of kings, it had to be Sugar Ray Leonard, right? Yeah, you know, just the pedigree. You know, he he won the gold medal, you know, in the Olympics, you know, coming up. You know, he was, uh, he could have been the original golden boy. Everybody, you know, loved Sugar Ray Leonard. He had the personality. You know, back when boxers didn't have big personalities, he probably had the biggest personality of them all. And the thing about Sugar Ray Leonard, right, is that he had enough skill that he probably could have fought, and we'll talk about him at some point because he's a very controversial figure, mm-hmm. about Money Mayweather, yeah. right, is that he could have fought in that style, right, to hit and not get hit, but he didn't. No. Right? He engaged, and when he smelled blood, he went for it, right? It was often said that in the ring, before the fight, one of the worst things to look at was the black, dark, great white shark eyes of Roberto Duran, yeah. right? He would stare at you, right? Basically telling you you're about to meet death. But I'll tell you what, you look at some of those fights, the 14th round against Tommy Hearns, when Sugar Ray Leonard finished, and I'll tell you what, brother, I would hate to be on the receiving end of a Sugar Ray Leonard fight when he hits you. He talked about being in the ring Super, and when it was, he said it was really hot against uh, Tommy Hearns, and he knew he was losing, and when he was coming back, but he said the feeling of hitting Tommy Hearns and seeing him just gave him more energy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and the thing with Leonard, he could go in with a plan and be able to change it. If he needed to be aggressive, he could be aggressive. If he needed to be defensive, he could be defensive. Um, he just, he had the speed that... Um, you know, would change fights. Read a book uh, from Roger Banyan, and he talked about interviewing Sugar Ray Leonard. And Sugar Ray Leonard talks about how he used to uh, purposely not take the bus to school, but he would run after and chase the bus. Okay? <laughs> like, that's how passionate and dedicated it was. I'll tell you, I love, and again, this is this will make, I, I, don't, I don't hate and dislike Floyd Mayweather, right? No. Got to respect what, what he's done in mm-hmm. boxing, right? But Sugar Ray Leonard could have done the same thing, but he didn't. Even though he came back, I don't like how Hector Camacho finished him, right? But we're talking about the Four Kings. We're talking about this era. And what that fighter did was absolutely – and we talked earlier about how certain fighters, about Lennox Lewis, you said, right? You were kind of iffy with Lennox Lewis, right? I was the same way. I was a huge – when he fought Roberto Duran, huge Roberto Duran fan, mm-hmm. I did not like Sugar Ray Leonard, visceral. I mean, yeah. I could say, oh, my gosh, I hate Sugar Ray yeah. Leonard. But as the years went by, I started to respect Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, uh, definitely. How, you know, how could you not? You know, the he fought everybody. He took the risks. You know, if he had to move up and wait, it's the big difference between a Mayweather, a, a Ray Leonard, Mayweather was a lot more calculated. When he moved up in weight, he knew he was going to be able to beat that guy. Yeah. Or else he doesn't take the fight. No, absolutely. With, with Leonard, you know, he's, I want to beat this guy. But there could have been a little bit of doubt. You know, he's taking the fight knowing there's a chance the other guy could win. That's right. That's exactly right. So here's the thing, right? So as we move forward and we look at today, right, and people say, well, there's an opportunity to four kings. The challenges with all of the different promotions, right? 
But is there the potential? Here's the thing, and I said this earlier, none of the fighters that are here now are considered the pound-for-pound best. So if we look at kind of their division, okay, which was from welterweight to middleweight, right? It's kind of their mm-hmm. kind of their weight. So you look at the middleweights, Canelo Alvarez, Triple G, Demetrius and Andrade, Jermel Charlo, right? Um, Julian Williams, Jared Hurd, is Randy Lara. And then going down to the welterweights, Earl Spence, Terrell Crawford, Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter. So there's, you know, 12, 15 fighters that amongst them are there four or five that are going to surface and fight each other that we would say these guys are the pound for pound best. I'm going to give you the response. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Right? Yeah. And and who of the fighters that I just named would we talk about 20 years later and say, oh, geez, that guy was one of the best fighters ever, right? I mean, Canelo, he's number one pound for pound, but the jury's still out. We'll see. Right? Yeah. It just, the, the, the fighters don't fight one another. You know, Canelo's ranked as a champion in the in the ring rankings at middleweight. Is he going to fight Demetrius Andre, who's who's number two? Is he going to fight Charlo at at three? Yeah, he's more than likely he's not going to fight those guys. And that's the problem, right? And then you go down the jury, you know, you got Carlos, you know, Munguia, right? Mm-hmm. So there's talk about him fighting. But is Munguia considered one of the pound-for-pound pound best fighters? No. No. He's not. He's too young. He hasn't fought anybody. So that's the problem, right? He's he's too young, and if you're going to get him, get him now before it gets better. That's exactly right. Okay, so now let's look at another division. Is there is there four kings available at the lightweight division because there's certainly a lot of fighters there, right? You got Lomachenko, Tefima Lopez, Devin Haney, um, Ryan Garcia, right? Junior, lightweight. That's probably not going to happen. You well, know, Miguel Perchel. Th- this is the division where I think maybe these fights do happen. You know, where you know, Lomachenko, Lopez are going to fight one another. Haney's been calling out Garcia. Um, you know, there's a chance, you know, Teofimo's probably going to move up and wait uh, and get too big for the division. But, you know, maybe a Burchelt goes up, maybe a Jojo Diaz. You know, I do think these guys are going to be willing to fight each other more than the heavier weight guys, the uh, welterweights and the middleweights. So you get it right. So there's our discussion on the four kings. Different era, different generation, different culture. Will we ever see it again? Man, I'm not sure. Yeah. I am not sure. Just based, and also not only because it's a generational thing, the whole millennial generation X, but also because of their talent. Okay, let's not forget that. Okay, marvelous Marvin Hagler, Tommy the Hitman Hearn, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Hands of Stone. They were very unique talents. Okay, it was having right the Lou Gehrig's, right the Mickey Mantles, the you know all these like having Hall of Famers in one in one game. All in their prime, right? Yeah. And, and you referred to, you know, they fought each other 18 times during nine years. Fighters nowadays, once they reach a certain level, fighting once or twice a year. And not even against, you know, the top competition. So you're right. So chances are we may not even get an opportunity, right? And it's not as much for these guys. It's about what is going to be their legacy, yeah. right? And it's not about legacy. And I get it, right? It's about am I making enough money? 
and I'm and I'm and am I protecting my legacy? Yeah. Much different back then. Rick, great discussion on the Four Kings. Would love to hear from everyone else once we get our email and everything stuff up and working. Would love to hear your guys' feedback on this. All right, we're gonna move on and we will go on to our next segment, which is going to be the stat of the day. Protect yourself at all time, folks. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back in Pacific Coast Boxing here with the stat of the day, which I hate to almost, it's almost like a very redundant stat of the yeah. day. We'll have to think of something else like the, you know, the rabbit punch or something, right? Yeah, we'll come up with something. Yeah, something um, more creative than this. But what do you got, Rick? But yeah, keeping in the theme for the uh, Four Kings, um, my stat of the day is... Um, Sugar Ray Leonard was the first fighter to break the $100 million mark in fight purses. He ended with 120 mil. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. When did he break that? Do you know? Like when, when did, or is that just for his career? That's for his career. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. His, his biggest payday was uh, the third Duran fight. You okay. Know, you, one of your favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting, right? That the third Duran fight where he had the least amount of risk in 1989, right? Yeah. What did he get paid for that fight? 15 mil. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. So 15%, right? Of the of his highest. So I mean, that that's pre that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's pretty good. Here's here's an interesting number uh, only because you gave uh, that number is that uh Floyd Mayweather, of course, right? Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s um, guaranteed, supposable, undisclosed uh, check for fighting Conor McGregor. Guaranteed check was one hundred million. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Times change. It's <laughs> that crazy. Yeah. And as we talked about, right? Nothing against Floyd. I love him, and we will have him on this show as well because I love and respect him as a fighter, as an and as a human being. He. Uh, I want to really put it on the record that that he paid for Chicanito's funeral, which is uh, Rudy Chicano's younger brother, Rudy Chicano, the, the great trainer out of uh, yeah. um, May, uh, Maywood, California. So $100 million. So he was the first yeah. fighter to officially reach. And now that includes – that's only that's fight purses. That's purse, yeah. So and that's not – Pay-per-view percentages, it's, it's what okay. he was guaranteed. Because you remember he was doing all the commercials with 7-Up and, mm -hmm. uh, and Ray Jr. Yeah. Right? Any idea what happened to Ray Jr.? No, yeah, no idea. No idea. Yeah. He definitely didn't follow in his uh, in his father's footsteps, right? Yeah. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting. Remember those commercials? Yeah. I interesting. And the thing is, and and I don't don't expect you to have these numbers, but like how many fighters today have cleared a hundred million, right? Or how many since then have cleared a hundred million? Pr probably maybe, quite a few, right? Maybe, maybe a few that you know weren't that good. Right, yeah. right. Probably quite a few that yeah. certainly wouldn't be considered Hall as, of Famers. Right, and one of the four kings, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, right, times change, the social economics mm -hmm. change, um, and so we get it, not discounting what anybody's making today. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? A dollar today is worth a dollar different yeah. back in 1980. But there you go, Rick. That is a very good stat. Sugar Leonard. First fighter to eclipse the hundred million dollar mark in purses for boxing, correct? Yeah. And there you go, folks. You can now go around and tell your friends. Guess who's the first fighter to make a hundred million? Sugar Ray Leonard. 
And oh, by the way, Floyd Mather got a, a guaranteed $100 million check against Conor McGregor. Folks, we'll be right back with the celebrity guest trivia, not necessarily a trivia, but questions to end the show. Today's celebrity guest is none other than Mr. Rick Prado. Yeah, not really celebrity yet either, by the way. It, around here, Rick, you're a huge celebrity. So we're fired up about that. Folks, we'll be right back, and we're going to fire away with some questions for Mr. Prado. Yeah. Okay, and we are back. Pacific Coast Boxing. Next segment, we have our celebrity guest trivia questions. Today's celebrity is Rick Prado. All right, Rick, I'm going to ask you a series of four questions, okay? okay? Here's the beauty about this particular quiz. It's really not trivia, it's quiz, is that there really is no wrong answer, okay? There's only a wrong answer if you can't justify why you chose the answer, Yeah. okay? So that then you got the wrong answer, okay? And we'll let the fans, and for now, I'm going to decide whether or not you chose correctly based yeah. on your context of why you responded as such. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. All right, here you go. I prefaced the show. I told you guys that we are huge Rocky, Karate Kid fans, right? We love, well, we don't love all the movies, but we love the whole series of movies, okay? Karate Kid, I'm going to personally say that once you got to the Jaden Smith, that those didn't count for me. Well, you know, I, I refuse, still refuse to watch that. I still haven't watched it, to be honest yeah. with you, right? In fact, yesterday... It, you know, you look at the preview and the guide on DirecTV, that's what I have, and it said Karate Kid, and I'm like, oh, man. You get was, excited. Yeah, and it yeah. was like 11.30 at night yeah. or something, right? I'm like, oh, awesome. There's nothing on. Sure, there's something on. The Karate Kid's on, right? I don't care. It doesn't matter where, right? Um, no, it was I saw starring Jaden Smith. I said, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to watch it. And by the way, I like Jaden Smith. I think he's a very talented actor. I think his father, Will Smith, is a very talented actor, right? But there's just something about the original Karate Kid, yeah, right? It's a classic. You can't can't remake it. Yeah, with Miyagi and Daniel, yeah. it's just one of those things, right? It's just like if they made a Rocky movie with somebody. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, gr you're growing up in the 80s, you know, this was Karate Kid. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so here you go. So here's the first question for you. Okay, again, no wrong answer, mm -hmm. but you were walking down a dark alley facing three thugs, right? Problems are imminent and unavoidable. Who do you want at your side? Okay. A, Muhammad Ali. B, Mike Tyson. C, Rocky Balboa. Now, I would have to go Rocky Balboa. You know, Rocky grew up in the streets. You know, he used to uh, collect, do collecting, you know, for the mafia. You know, he would be the one I'd want next to me. The other ones... Good fighters, probably close, you know, in a close second. I would take Mike Tyson, more of a, a grew up in the streets, grew up rough, you know, probably had plenty of street fights. Muhammad Ali, you know, probably not as many street fights as, as Mike Tyson. You know. Yeah, see, that's interesting, and by the way, because, you know, Muhammad Ali, the taller of all of them, mm -hmm. right? Taller of all of them, 6'2", yeah. right? And probably could have talked his way maybe out of even fighting yeah. i'm not sure if you thought about that right yeah the other two i mean mike tyson certainly right you're talking about possibly a short fuse powder keg right uh -huh. situation would have maybe never been de-escalated 
who knows, right? Yeah. Could have gone in any direction. Well, see, here's the thing is I, I probably just need them to take one guy. Yeah. I'll take the other two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I laugh because I'm, I'm looking at Rick, so... I'll get to I'll get to enjoy that one. That's fine. You explained your answer, so like I said, if you can justify your response, you're okay in my book. Yeah, okay. and and like Rocky said, you know, his ring's outside. Yeah. <laughs> Although, one of the worst movies he made is when he fought Tommy Morrison yeah. outside. Oh, well, that that's bar. when he fought outside. But yeah, right. yeah. And if you want to throw hands, yeah, that's <laughs> so. Like I said, I said we are fans of the Rocky mm-hmm. series, not yeah. fans of every Rocky movie. And. You know, outside, never going to hear a bell, so he's going to keep going. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. So, okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. you justified your answer. Second question, okay. Who would you choose as your best partner in life? Okay, and again, right, all due, res- all due respect to your dear wife, who I know very well. We're doing a podcast here, right? So this is all hypothetical. This all, is all hypothetical, hypothetical yeah. absolutely, right? All as it should be. So wish I should have stated that up front, just in case. But who would you choose as your partner for life? A, Adrian. B, Ludmila. C, Ali. Uh, for me, you know, this is an easy one. I would take Ali with an I. Interesting. You know, definitely. No, no hesitation. No hesitation. You know, I think. Uh, Growing up in the 80s, you know, that was, you know, Daniel's sweetheart, you know, easily probably could have taken it from him. Um, Ludmila, you know, who most might not know, you know, is Drago's wife. You know, she ends up leaving him, you know, leaving the kid, left Drago to, to raise the kid. So she's definitely a, a distant last. But very dedicated. Hold on a second, right? Yeah. Hold it. Let's, you know, let's hold on, right? Yeah dedicated driven and a very supporting wife right who put drago to the point that he's fighting for the world heavyweight championship in his backyard Mm -hmm. right in russia fighting rocky so that probably doesn't happen if if drago doesn't have a supporting wife like ludmila supporting and driving him right yeah well you know i'll I'll get to it later you know but uh nowadays you know she's kind of a hot mess yeah. yeah. Okay, but that's that's but you don't you wouldn't have known that, right? We're talking yeah. about what you know at the moment, okay. and so that's fine. Okay. And and that's fine. A surprise is Adrian, right? Adrian, very loyal, right? Um, Old school, grew up in Philly, kind of know, a humble. I, at times, you know, and and the more and more podcasts we do, sometimes I question Adrian's loyalty. You know, there there were some times where you know she had Rocky's back, but there were other times where you know she didn't have his back. You know, she would hang back, you know, not go to Russia, let him train on his own. You know, she t- she told him he couldn't win. You yeah. know, she how she goes from very supportive wife in Rocky 3 to you can't win in Rocky 4, you know, I'll never know. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you, right, um, I've got my own reservations about her, yeah. right? And again, this isn't my trivia, this is yours. All I'm going to say mm-hmm. is that I always had a problem with Rocky needing to hear adrian say right there's one thing i want you to do win and then all of a sudden his training stepped up you know 20 notches right now just imagine the career he would have had mm-hmm. had she been just supportive the whole time right. instead of holding right. him back yeah yeah we were yeah we're not gonna know yeah we're yeah. not gonna know and like you said it wasn't until she flew to russia right 
and showed up that all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's outrunning the KGB whoever they were yeah. right in the snow up until then he was right and you know just to finish with with, with the topic you know just looks wise mm-hmm. you know she's really homely looking in Rocky 1 Rocky yeah. 2 yeah you know the only time she was really hot is when Mr. T was hitting on her yeah you know at the press conference yeah yeah that's true that's you know that that was you and know that was a low blow by Mr. T by the way yeah. in the press conference. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I don't condone that. And good tactic by the way, good yeah. tactic by Clubber Lang. Yeah, Clubber Lang, Clubber right? Lang. You know who won the first fight? You yeah. Know. Oh, he probably he, by he by him. just doing yeah. that right there. He won the fight uh, uh, although, at the press conference. Although Rocky did win round one, which was a good fight. And we'll break that fight down eventually. Yeah. We'll break that fight down because that was a good fight. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fine. That's fine. You, you answer. So Al, Allie with an eye. Allie with an eye. And if you were to put the three of them together, I think Allie with an eye is still hot today. Uh, now, I will say this because folks are going to question this, but we're not going to have time today is where did she go in Karate Kid 2, right? Yeah. Because she somewhat disappeared and then he moved on to... The Japanese girlfriend, but that's a whole nother story. So when you talked about yeah. loyalty, okay, so your choice, you know, you're yeah. kind of being hypocritical there, but that's fine. You made your choice, okay? There just wasn't room enough to put her in Rocky Two, or in, in the Karate Kid Two. Okay, that's hey, that's fine. That's fine. You own your response, and yeah. I respect that. Next question, okay? If you had to face an opponent, okay? Who is the least opponent that you would like to face if you had no choice but to face them, okay, in a one-on-one, fisticuffs, boxing, let's just say in an altercation, right? Who is the least that you would like to face? A, Clubber Lang. B, Johnny Lawrence. C, Saito's nephew, chosen. This is probably the toughest one. Uh, least would want to face. Um, I would have to go, uh, Johnny Lawrence. You know, Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, you know, he's he's as tough as they come. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know, let, let let's be honest here. If Daniel doesn't break out that crane kick probably loses that fight mm-hmm. you know clubber laying is tough but he'll tire you can get him out if you can go to the third round you can get clubber laying out which is what balboa did right yeah. once he started it was almost mm-hmm. a sugar ray leonard roberto duran too just to go back to our main segment yeah. right where he frustrated him a little surprised that you didn't choose chosen yeah because he didn't fight, as you know, right, in Karate yeah. Kid 2. And Mr. Miyagi reminded him, this is no tournament. Yeah. This is real. Yeah. And Sasaki's nephew, he didn't. He was not fighting for a trophy. Yeah, he was no. fighting for real. Yeah. No, you know, and, and he would, I would put him too, mm-hmm. you know, because he did fight to the death. You know, that, that's, he was known for fighting to the death, known for fighting with the spear, you know, but, you know, he had every advantage, home field advantage against against Daniel, and came up short. That's interesting too, because in uh, there was even a little bit of a vindication at the end, right? Johnny mm-hmm. came up and kind of was trying to make good with uh, Daniel Larusa at the mm-hmm. end. So, that's an in- interesting choice. Okay, yeah. 
Um, and that's fine. That's your choice. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Last question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, there's no wrong answer as long as you're able to justify it. Yeah. Okay. And so far, I would say you're you're making your way through it yeah. is the most I'll give you. Okay. You're heading into the biggest fight of your career. Okay. Mm -hmm. Win or lose. All right. One of these live or die type of matches. Who do you want in your corner training you? Okay. Is it Mr. Miyagi? Mick? Or Cobra Kai Sensei? Okay. Um, obviously, I've got to take Mr. Miyagi. You know, he always trains, you know, to win. You know, never trained Daniel to lose, you know, any fights. I, I still think, uh, you know, Daniel's pretty much undefeated when it came to tournament time. When it came to death time, you know, he was there. Um, number two would definitely be Mick. You know, he, I like Mick, but he's really old school. And his loyalty wasn't always there. You know, he gave away Rocky's locker. You know, when, when Rocky needed him at the beginning of his career, you know, he was nowhere to be found. Didn't help him out. And then last, it would, it would be the uh, Cobra Kai sensei. Um, you know, every chance... Miyagi had he took him out he took him out in part uh at the beginning of part two you're talking in individual combat yeah, in individual okay. combat but the but, but this is about trainers not about yeah. their ability yeah. but, right to but support themselves you know Mr. Miyagi was able to train one guy and he beat what 10 Cobra Kai guys in in the tournament that's a good point that's a you, that's a very know, good point it, that's uh, a very that's a very good point yeah that's a very good point. That would be like ten Freddie Roach fighters beating, right, yeah. uh, Robert Garcia, and then so so that that's a good point. Yeah. Nothing against Robert Garcia. I love you, brother. Yeah. And but then, I but I hear what you're saying. It's just yeah. an analogy. Yes. Even yeah, I hear you, Mr. Miyagi. You know his his karate techniques were a little, you know, out there, but always trained, always won. Now, and I'm gonna only gonna say this, but Mick's legacy, right? You're right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But everything that Mick did was very psychological, right? It was mm -hmm. planned, okay? Yeah. And at the end of the day, okay, he took a guy who was basically a washed-up club fighter, not even a gatekeeper, mm -hmm. right? At that time, Rocky was not even a gatekeeper. He was a club fighter at best. And he took him to basically cruising around in the Lambo yeah. with the license plate, Southpaw. Yeah. Right? But... I would I would have to say Mick is a little bit of an egomaniac. You know, when he over there and he, he tried to get Rocky to let him train him, he starts showing him pictures about his prime and how he you know he needed a manager and how he wanted to be the manager. Um, you know, Mr. Miyagi was in the background. You know, he didn't ever wanted all the credit. He wanted all his, he wanted his fighter to have all the credit. Fair enough. Fair. Hey, like I said, there's no wrong answer. I just want to make sure that you took into consideration all the different options and that you were able to support your responses, which you did. All right, folks, that does it for this uh, particular week session of quiz with your celebrity guest. Rick, thank you for being fair. Thank you for responding accordingly. We'll be right back with the last segment of the show, folks. Thank you very much. All right, folks, and we're back. Pacific Coast Boxing, that does it for our first inaugural show. Hope you guys like that, man. We're not professionals. We're just out here doing the very best we can to not only inform but also entertain because we are real boxing fans coming at you from Southern California, but we love boxing wherever the heck you're at. Rick, fired up about next week's show. 
already getting set. Boxing is kind of slowly starting to come back after COVID-19. We're going to be able to talk about the Shakur Stevenson fight and talk about what else is coming up in the world of boxing. Really want to start getting into next week, really the young fighters. And we're going to break all of those young fighters down. Gervonta Davis, Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez, Shakur Stevenson, Brandon Figueroa, Ryan Garcia, of course, Virgil Ortiz, Chris Colbert, Zucan, all kinds of fighters. What do you got coming up for us uh, next week, Rick? Um, you know, just have more news and um, some late-breaking news today. Um, Top Rank is talking about hosting the Lomachenko and uh, Teofimo Lopez fight at the new Raider Stadium in September. You know, hoping to have about 10,000 people in there, space them out. You know, because of all the COVID nineteen stuff, and yeah, wow, that'll be exciting, folks. That's what we got coming up next week. So listen, go ahead and oh, there you go. I got ten seconds left in in the round, folks. Fired up. Listen, we're gonna get our email set up. We're gonna get our Instagram set up. We're gonna have our website set up. We're gonna have. Everything that you guys want. We want to know what you guys want to talk about on Pacific Coast Boxing. That's it, folks. End of the round. Punches and bunches. Pretty sure we won that round, Rick. Talk to you guys later. Have a good night. Have a good evening. Thank you very much. Muchas gracias. Talk to you later. Love you guys.